This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. What if I told you that taking a stand to make the climate stronger and more resilient was possible? And not just possible, but could be as simple as deciding what to plant in your yard. According to local conservationists, 80% of land east of the Mississippi River is privately owned. So your plant choices matter a lot. Now, it won't single-handedly reduce carbon emissions or take the place of government action, of course, but your choice of plants, particularly native plants, could help prevent soil erosion and flooding and create habitats. Here to break this down for us is Mary Fortman, landscape ecologist at Open Lands. Hi, Mary. Welcome. Hi. Thank you, Sasha. I really appreciate this uh, fabulous opportunity to talk about this very important topic uh, with us. Sure. Let's dive in, Mary. We are inundated, I think, you know, with choices every day, right? So talk to us about why folks should add plant choice to that list. Well, plants plants naturally help mitigate um, many climate change effects. They do this just through their natural um, biotic processes. So they intake atmospheric carbon during photosynthesis, uh, and much of that carbon gets um, sequestered underground in their root structures. Also during transpiration, which is when those um, that water getting absorbed through the roots uh, gets released through the leaves, that water evaporates, uh, causing a cooling effect. Plants also, um, you know, absorb groundwater through their roots, which is especially um, beneficial after heavy rains to reduce flooding. And as that um, water is getting absorbed through the plants, it's filtered, reducing the amount of nutrients and other pollutants from entering our streams and lakes. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, some plants like trees, they can actually um, shelter us from the elements, such as sun, wind, by providing uh, shade and breaks. So that's something that all plants can do. Um, and some plants, uh, particularly uh, many of our native species do this um, particularly well. Yeah, tell us about that. Why are native plants such a big deal? Well, every region has its own um, unique plant communities that have evolved with the weather, the soil, the topography, and the wildlife. Now, most pollinators have specialized relationships with the plants they evolved with. Those are the native plants. And then what makes that so special is because in addition to those um, biological services that I just mentioned, Mm -hmm. the native plants provide that critical habitat, especially for our birds and butterflies. I think uh, an example that a lot of people um, can relate to are the monarch butterflies and milkweed. The most of many people know now that monarch uh, butterflies need to have the milkweed to raise their young on. That's just, you know, one example. Um, yeah. Like I was saying, many of these native plants, especially a lot of our prairie plants, are very deep-rooted, which helps prevent erosion um, with so- increased soil capacity to hold water. You know, no fertilizers are needed for um, our native gardens. And, you know, these, these plants provide an important sense of place. I think a few um, examples that are rather iconic are maybe the oak trees and the trillium. Some of the prairie plants, like prairie dropseed and mm-hmm. purple prairie coneflowers, um, that's that's what this area was. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mentioned earlier, Mary, that 80% of land is privately owned. Um, but that's not just homes, right? It's also farms and forests and federally owned land. So why do you focus on landscaping? 
Well, so in Illinois, um, we have a fraction of 1% of the prairies that used to dominate the state. In Lake County in particular, we have 4% of the land used currently in agriculture and about 12% of um, the original oak woodlands that are left since uh, European settlement a couple hundred years ago. We just can't afford to ignore the ecological value of the land outside of our preserves. Um, the preserves themselves are just too small and too segregated um, in between these farms and natural areas to really support nature. We all have a responsibility to the environment. Uh, Doug Ptolemy, entomologist, he said it really well. Um, nature just can't be where people aren't. It needs to be where people aren't. Mm -hmm. And our connection to nature is important. And I want to be clear, Mary, when people think of landscaping, they think of homes, right? So talk about opportunities that might exist for renters or people who live in apartments or condos for them to so plant native plants. Yeah, so if your apartment or condo has um, a common space, you might be able to check with your association to incorporate some native plants in there. If that's not your situation, um, many schools have garden areas, uh, libraries, places um, that you might work or uh, maybe uh, where you worship, park districts, senior centers. There's a lot of areas that are prime opportunities for native plantings. Are there ripple effects to, to planting more native plants on yes. neighbors down the street or for, for neighboring communities? Absolutely. Um, once you kind of it's, you start on something, people see the beauty, they see the birds, the butterflies, they want that in their yards too, especially if it's done thoughtfully. Mm -hmm. what, uh, what programs does Open Lands provide for folks to be able to do all this? So, so Open Lands has a Lands in Harmony program, and um, in Lake County, we can help people with their properties, either that they live on or where they go to school or work or worship. Um, openlands.org slash beautiful is where you can go on that. There's other air, um, ways, too, that people can do this if you're outside of that area. This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. And as part of our weekly sustainability series, we're talking about native plants and the choices that you can make to help combat climate change. Our guest is Mary Fortman, who's an ecologist at Open Lands. Mary, help us understand, what is rewilding? So that's a rather unfortunate term um, because for many folks, they don't want a wild aesthetic. But Regardless of what the term is, that's basically restoring habitats where we live and where we work, kind of outside of the traditional forest preserves and natural areas. Um, by restoring those habitats where we live and work, we're making those habitat corridors in between our natural areas. And when I'm talking about habitat corridors, I'm talking about those areas having the physical and biological features to support the survival and most importantly, the reproduction of a particular species, especially when we're talking about um, you know, our songbirds and butterflies. Yeah, you know what I think of, aesthetics are, are really important for many people, Mary, and some people might kind of balk at the idea of this wild looking yard, but you know, a, a yard with lots of native plants, it doesn't have to look unkempt, right? 
Uh, that is so true. Aesthetics are incredibly important. And a yard with a lot of native plants does not have to look wild. Uh, wilding is a tough sell um, for most people. Curb appeal is important. We usually talk about sustainable or nature-friendly landscaping. Um, it's really important how you design these plants for the type of look that you want. Um, so in other words, just because you use native plants in your yard does not have to make your yard look any different, perhaps, than your neighbors. Yeah. It's just your plant choice. So you can still keep your plants in the same style. They're just going to be different species. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was just thinking many, many people might also hear that term that we just talked about, rewilding, and they might think that it means that they're being asked to get rid of their lawn. Yes, yeah, so when you think about um, your lawn, you think about the services that your lawn's providing for you. Um, is it, you know, are you actually using it for a place for your kids to play or entertaining? I mean, giving up 100% of the lawn is not practical for most people, especially, you know, in the suburbs. Um, but you want to think about um, how your yard can be maybe more productive. Lawns are the least productive um, for biological support. And usually they're um, like the first place to go to do something better. So still keeping those areas of lawn um, for play or recreation. Mm -hmm. but then maybe in some parts in the lawn, you know, transferring those or transforming them into, you know, more natural areas using native plants or trees. Uh, do something better. But then again, that is a, not talking about total lawn elimination, just... Yeah. Lawn reduction, I think, is a more uh, fair way to say that. Right, right. Gotcha. So give us the list, Mary. What native plants should folks look out for? So that's that's going to depend on what your existing conditions are. So not all native plants will do well in any given yard. You also want to think about what landscape features you want from your plants. Uh, so examples would be, you know, are you looking for privacy? Are you looking for food production, for shade, for bloom time? You know, are you trying to attract certain species? I, I'm a big hummingbird fan, and instead of the feeders, I like to plant for the birds. So I remember planting this little tiny um, royal catchfly uh, plant. It was not in flower yet. It was still early in the season. Mm -hmm. And just as I planted that, a hummingbird circled around <laughs> me it was a it was a incredible and uh they went off so you know certain plants will attract certain species like yeah. milkweed and the monarch butterflies there's you know we have hundreds of plants that are native to this area and many of them have tremendous landscape value mm -hmm. and ecological value as far as attracting you know birds and butterflies if you have the space uh trees are the most ecological and um economic benefit providers, and also they're the least likely to be removed by successive landowners. Um, what you would hate to happen is you put in this, this lovely ecological paradise and then have somebody else move in that's not much of a gardener and not want to maintain it. So really trees and like bushes or shrubs, those are the best species, especially using native ones. Right, would you say native plants are more expensive? No. Okay. And, and how do you... A little trickier to find. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, it sounds like it. Um, how do you recommend folks pick plants that work best with their space? You were talking a bit about that 
a moment ago. Yeah. So just what's the key there? That can get a little bit complicated, just like it. But just like any plants, you want to know what the plant's mature size is going to be. Mm -hmm. Again, I think a great place to go for information on that is openlands.org slash beautiful. We've um, provided some online resources for folks to um, to do this really successfully. I could talk about that for about three hours, <laughs> and you would never get me to stop. So I really recommend people check out the website and um, you know, look to that for some really good tips on how to do that. Great. Well, that was Mary Fortman, who's a landscape ecologist at Open Lands. Thanks for joining us, Mary. Thanks for listening. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We've got more for you on the podcast, WBEZ's Reset, wherever you listen.